I'm Alex Mellaris. And I'm Tai Seifu. And with the timing of events, we haven't had the chance to address uh, yet another appalling story. Uh, one of several appalling stories surrounding ice hockey, which seems to be a theme not only lately, but probably all time going back through the entire history of the game. But as I'm sure everyone knows by now, Andrei Deniskin of the Ukrainian Hockey League was suspended a mere 13 games uh, for a very orchestrated uh, racist gesture to Jalen Smerich, player on the opposing team. And I mean, the first, like when I, when I first saw it and people were throwing around, you know, suspension ideas, one of the first takes I saw was this should be a lifetime ban. And I was like, sounds about right to me. Very unlikely to happen. And the other things I saw thrown around were like, oh, you know, it's going to be a five-year ban, a two-year ban. And even the most, you know, like the pessimists among us were saying things like probably not more than a one-year ban. And then Ukrainian Hockey League goes, how about 13 games and a fine? How does that sound? Like truly vile shit uh, coming from Ukraine. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's completely disgusting um, from from everybody. And like, first of all, obviously, uh, the guy, Deniskin, um, you know, orchestrated his, right? Like the, the, the ease with which he, you know, pulled out that racist gesture out of nowhere. Like it was like, it was like just out of a scrum, basically. Um, it was clear this guy had like thought about it before um, or, or, you know, or he'd done it before. And that's because this was so readily part of his arsenal uh, as soon as he was, you know, faced with a black player. I mean, it's, it's, it has no place in this game. And so, yeah, when you talk about suspensions for that kind of thing, um, it shouldn't be a suspension. It'd be, it should be an outright ban. Um, and I mean, it's, it's it's completely reprehensible that the you know the UHL this and on you know this is and the, this is a decision that they made knowing that you know the eyes of the hockey world were on this their decision right um, if it was a low key thing you know given that you know we see so we see a lot of shady characters that like to sweep things under the rug um, it wouldn't be remotely really surprising albeit it would still be just as shitty but it wouldn't be surprising if they had you know kind of uh, throw in a few games and then and call it a day. But in this case, it's even particularly bad because everybody, well, you know, everybody knew about it, right? Uh, and everybody was, everybody saw the incident, and it was, it was. I mean, this is the fucking UHL we're talking about here. No, no, I've never talked about. I've never even heard about the UHL up until last week. Uh, and then they come out, and then basically the one time they'll ever have this sort of international spotlight, they come and shit, they come out here and shit themselves um, with you know thirteen games. That's nothing. That is nothing. I mean, you, they don't, they're not sending the right message at all. Um, in in terms of uh, like the place of this kind of racism in, in hockey, uh, and I mean, yeah, it, it, there's no other explanation for just throwing a 13 game ban, um, because yeah, as you're saying, even the pessimists were saying, you know, they're gonna give him at least one year, um, but 13 games is uh, is really nothing in the grand scheme of things, and does nothing to really punish the guy for what he did. What does he learn from this? Um, it's uh, mm-hmm. and what does everybody watching learn? It 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 absolutely awful and yeah there's there's no fucking there's no excuse for it whatsoever there's no excuse for what denise can did and there's no excuse for this punishment that the uhl handed out yeah and jalen smerick made the decision uh to i i think it was initially to not play in uh the league anymore as long as Deniskin wasn't suspended but now i think since he's so dissatisfied with the punishment i'm not sure if he's going to go back to this league and rightfully so. And so what we're ending up with 
is one player, the aggressor, who's just going to, you know, take uh, three weeks off or so uh, and then just jump right in, back into the action as if nothing has happened. And we have the victim who has just uprooted his life to go to move from the United States to Ukraine, where he uh, where I assume he doesn't speak the language. And he's he played like four games, gets racially taunted. Now he has to uproot his life all over again to who knows where and look for a new contract. So, I mean, really, when you look at it from that lens, you, you see that the Ukrainian Hockey League is doing more than just, you know, being a little light on a penalty, but they're really very strongly favoring one side over the other. Yeah, they're punishing the victim, and it's completely ass-backwards. Uh, and, I mean, yeah, they it's, they speak for themselves. They're really telling on themselves. Everybody uh, on that side of things right now, whether it's the UHL or, or Deniskin, they're, you know, they're really, they're outing themselves now. And, you know, we know moving forward who these people are and what kind of people they are. And it's, uh, and it's awful. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's, it, and it's, it absolutely, it's, it's the worst fucking thing for Smerik. You did nothing to deserve this. Um, it was, it was like a fucking, it was an out of nowhere play. Uh, and yeah, there's, there's no fucking excuse for it whatsoever. And this guy, like, you know, the Disney should be blacklisted from any, any, any professional hockey league out there. Uh, if things were right, but alas. Um, 13 games. I mean, it's just shocking. It's such a how, how such a low number. And, and like, you know, they're saying like, you know, there are, there are hockey hits, you know, there are cross checks and shit like that. There are suspensions that are more than 13 games long. Um, and, but this, and this, and this kind of racism is, is, is way beyond uh, any sort of real hockey infraction that you might see on the ice. Uh, this is just, you know, this is a fucking hate crime. Uh, and, uh, and to see it being punished, uh, like this is, yeah, it, it really is. It's, it's awful. Yeah, and what people are wondering about is the IHF's role in all this because I'm pretty sure they've been pretty much silent on it. Everyone's waiting to see, you know, oh, is are they going to punish Deniskin? Are they going to, you know, ban him from international play? Uh, are they going to punish the Ukrainian Hockey Federation anyway or, or the UHL? What's the suspension coming? And I know I'm pretty sure they are transitioning away from Rene Fasselin towards... Uh, What's the name of the new president? Luke something? I don't remember. Anyway, so maybe that's why things have been a little bit slow. But I gotta be honest, just based on the the sport itself, I'm not too optimistic that we're gonna be uh, so inspired by whatever decision is upcoming. Yeah. So the new guy's name is Luke Tardif. Um, but yeah, yeah, despite the the change in change in leadership over at the IHF, um, I mean, certainly would be nice if they were to come in, you know, with an iron hammer and really stamp out this bullshit. But um. I mean, yes, the IHF people. Uh, I, I mean, they probably have the authority to, but do they have the willpower um, as an organization? I mean, historically, from what we see, this is, this is not it. It's like a corrupt bunch of, of old white dudes, and um, you know, that's 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 part of the the, the the culture of hockey that's problematic right now. Uh, a lot of the leadership, we don't see, in, we don't see enough minority representation, uh, and this is what happens. You see, you see, when it comes to things like these incidents, like these, um, you don't get the proper action. Because these people are just not well equipped to handle these situations, and so you know when it comes to the IHF, uh, it's 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 yeah, it's almost ludicrous to anticipate any sort of big punishment. However, hopeful that we are that that it might happen, um, just because you know it's a fucking IHF. Well, you, you can't expect can't expect much from these dudes. Um, they're all, as I said, old white dudes who haven't who haven't lifted a finger with this kind of thing in in forever. Let's take a, a hard pivot into a player who retired a couple days ago 
22-year-old New Jersey Devils draft pick, Nikita Papagayev, who has retired from ice hockey in order to pursue a career as a social media influencer and took to Instagram with uh, this caption, or at least this is the English translation of the caption. What smells like, brother? Legendary day, new day. Guys, I received 100 messages from you. Where is the contract? Where is the team? Where are you going? I officially declare I finished. Decided to try something new. I really need support. So friends, if you can, then leave comments, likes, repost. I will be very pleased. A new video will be released today. The first video. Legendary day. I am waiting for support. And today we are revving the gas. Have you revved the gas for Nikita Papagayev? Have you checked out his new video? Because I certainly I have, have not. not. Checked out his new... <laughs> I will do that now, though, perhaps. <laughs> I couldn't recommend it less, I think, just, just off of the initial impressions from this guy. Um, but, um, yeah, hats off to Nikita Papagayev for ditching his hockey career to become a social media influencer. Um, now, if this were a different career, I'd be like, good for you, man. You found what you like. Uh, and uh, it seems like a, a solid solid job that might contribute to society in a, in a positive light. Um, this guy, on the other hand, um, you know, I don't know what's running through his head. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I wish him the best. Um, apparently, he's getting hundreds of messages wishing him support. Um, and uh, maybe maybe I'll send him one. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Unlikely to. All right. We were making fun of this a lot. We read this together for the first time the other day on how just looking at this paragraph, it sounds kind of like someone who's going in blind has just made a new account. It's like time to influence. It was like, I really need support. Support. I'm waiting for support. Please like this. Uh, but he had a decent following. Uh, he has 23.2 thousand followers right now on Instagram. His bio says ex hockey player. And I see one video with 5,736 plays, and I'm going to watch it right now and give a commentary. So there's a, a green car driving on the grass. I uh, Someone's getting out of it. I assume it's Nikita Papagayev. He's wearing a, a helmet with a visor. It's a hockey helmet. He's got like, this like green jacket on. He's going to the back of the car. He just opened the trunk to the car. He's looking in the trunk. Got out a hockey stick, getting out his hockey bag. A song just started playing. Nikita Papagayev <laughs> is, uh, he walked a couple steps. He kissed his helmet and put it into the bag after putting the bag on the ground and is now squirting water into the bag with a water bottle. And I think that was oh, lighter. He fluid. just set the bag on fire. <laughs> he just set the hockey bag on fire with everything in it. And now he's sitting on a lawn chair a couple of feet over reading a magazine. And that's the whole video. That's the video. Wow. That's content. That's content. Um yeah, <laughs> you know sh- what? I think sh- I'm gonna follow him. I'm hitting follow right now. I hope I hope his entire influencer career is just leaning on the fact that he ditched hockey, um, and it's him burning <laughs> yeah. a, an assorted hockey equipment. And and here we go. The next post, uh, his other Instagram post. Next, right after he posted, it, right after the video, is a picture of him posing next to the burning hockey bag. Um, so, uh, yeah, clearly, <laughs> clearly, he's burned some bridges. 
that literally. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, yeah, it looks like he's got a BMW to match. It seems what he's seems like something he's flexing pretty hard in the car. So, I mean, he's pretty well off uh-huh. apparently. Okay, I just clicked on his story and started watching it, and I see I think him dumping water on some other sleeping guy. You know, this classic content that everyone loves. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, I wish him all the best. I hope he's having fun. You know how, uh, what what are these called on Instagram? Like highlights where you have like, you know, archives that are public. Yeah, the reels. Yeah. There's one that's just sister heart emoji. So I guess it's just him and his sister. Best sister, happy birthday. 112 weeks ago. Uh, One thing I kept hearing was like, this guy has like a friend with 300,000 YouTube subscribers. And he's like, expecting to you know get clout through there somehow there we go we love that indirect clout uh that indirect clout and uh as for that story content i mean this is this is what i aspire to do with my career throw everything away so i can (laughs) throw water on my unsuspecting friends on the couch (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i respect him for for following his passions uh and uh (laughs) Yeah, um, it looks like he wished his sister a happy birthday two years ago, but not this year. What's up with that? Oof. What's up with Have that? Have they fallen out? I guess so. I don't know, but then he posted something five days ago to the same highlight that wasn't a happy birthday. So, uh, oh, no, he skipped two years in a row. For shame. For shame. Um, For but, shame. Uh, yeah, the, the the fascinating case of Nikita Papagayev. Um, wow, the, really, mm-hmm. the Devils really whiffed on that fourth-round pick, didn't they? Yeah, you know, I actually... I remember seeing him ranked higher than the fourth round on a lot of lists, like in the second round, and he ended up slipping. And I guess maybe those teams were, were onto something. They thought, this seems like a guy who will retire in four years. But actually, yeah. uh, on Staff and Graph, Rachel Dory has a lot of insight about this player because she worked with the Devils. And uh, she tells like funny stories about like the couple weeks where the Devils had just fired their Russian scout uh, and then very soon after that, Papagayev's KHL team just d- didn't tell the KHL that they were shipping him off to another team. And then the Devils had no idea where he was for a month and had no Russian scout. So Rachel Dory was kind of at the head of trying to figure out uh, where he was playing. And it was just, you know, it was very exhausting and taxing. And at the end, uh, they basically, as soon as they found him, were like, just come over to the AHL for the rest of the year. We don't want to lose you again. And he was just, <laughs> Papagayev was just kind of like laughing about it. And Rachel's like, oh, you bitch. Um, but yeah, that was, that was funny. And apparently he was like, you know, shockingly laid back and always like, you know, addicted to Instagram. So she said, if any, if any player were to do this, uh, this probably would have been her guess. Fair enough. Maybe if they, invested, they have properly invested in a Russian scout, they would have red flagged these character concerns. Um, sounds like a top flight organization that they're running in New Jersey. Can't lie, can't oh, yeah. lie. It's uh, that's the <laughs> losing prospects left and right. That's the <laughs> that's the taste of a playoff contender. Um, but yeah, all right. So I guess this was in the works for 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 Nikita. He's always been on Instagram, and now now he's living the dream with his twenty. 20- yeah, we were talking about when we were talking about this guy earlier. Um, we're like, well, how many how many followers do you even need to sustain a lifestyle like that? Uh, and it looks like from Instagram, he has what. 23k uh and uh I'm, I'm willing to guess that's not nearly enough so i don't know if i've uh if this guy's thought it out completely but he's uh living the life right now and he's out of hockey equipment mm-hmm. you know just based on the fact that uh he played hockey at all 
I assume he's financially stable enough that he can afford to spend some time trying to, you know, build a bit of a following before really digging in hard on those brand deals. So, uh, I mean, I hope it works out for him. I I assume he thought it through at least somewhat before jumping into it. And I imagine it is somewhat of a risk, but I'm rooting for him. Let's go Nikita. Yeah. Get that bread. I'm rooting for him. But I, I but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, well, how is he how is he gonna find an audience? I can't <laughs> who's out here going like I'm a I'm a Nikita Papugaya fan. Like I can't be, I can't imagine the girl, like what shocked. appeal does he bring? I'm so confused. You'd be shocked how many people would watch oh I dumped water on my friend hashtag pranked bro. I've maybe <laughs> I wonder if he'll uh I've, maybe that he's more in like the TikTok lane for things like that burning hockey equipment video and the dumping water on my friend. I feel like I feel like it'd be easier for him to maybe get a following there than on Instagram, but I'm not sure how much revenue TikTok really creates in comparison. So, well, he's if anything, he can always sell his BMW, um, you know, as a yeah. last resort. So, yeah, he's it'll be fine. It'll be fine. At least I hope so. Nikita Papagayev uh, beat up after, <laughs> yeah, after after throwing hey. one too many glasses of water at his friends. That's my only concern <laughs> for him. All right, Nikita Papagayev, if you're listening to this podcast, we'll let you come on you for are. exposure. We'll let you come on. Yeah. We'll expose you to our audience, and we'll help you grow your brand. And we uh, will not pay you fifty to one hundred dollars, uh, <laughs> but it'll be worth it down the line when you gain. Uh, all the followers that we have, all of them. There are there's there, there we we overlap exactly the same niche, um. You know the uh, fusion and Nikita Papagayev's content is literally just a circle when you look at a Venn diagram. Uh, and uh, so yeah, come well, get some I mean, new fans, he's Nikita, a, because I'm sure you're listening. I mean, he's a he's a hockey player who hates hockey, and we're hockey fans who hate hockey. So I think there's more overlap than you might think. There we go. There we go. All right. So now that we've uh, we have we now have a standing invitation for the guy, I think we can <laughs> we can move off of him. Um, so to the uh, to the NHL because I don't think we've talked about the NHL just yet today. Um, you know the the big RFA hype house that we conceptualized and definitely realized uh, is now down to one member because uh, both Canucks and they, I think they just announced it today, right, a few hours ago, uh, officially are now signed under contract. We have Elias Patterson getting his three-year deal, bit of a bridge there, seven point three five million, and Quinn Hughes going the multi-year route at six by seven point eight five. And so, yeah, what what do you think about our boy Jim's piece of business here? I am endlessly in awe of Jim Benning's commitment to kicking every problem down the road and making it worse <laughs> in the future. Uh, you know, well, I mean, we saw him do it. Time and time again with those UFA contracts, you know, uh, Beagle, Roussel, Erickson, doomed to fail from the start, all of them. And those are clearly not the only ones. And so now he says, oh, you know, I could just wait out the one year for these deals to be done or uh, make a, a little bit of cap, cap savings this year and a slightly better player in OEL, uh, but a, a nightmare for like 2023 to 2027. Uh, and, you know, it's the same idea with his Pedersen contract, you know. I mean, this one's a little different in that his hand was kind of forced, but it's the same idea in that do we want to lock in this franchise player for as long as possible 
or get them on a bit of a bargain for three years and then have to, you know, really pay up in 2024, uh, at, at which point he will likely be close to the top of the most expensive players in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and not only that, with this Pedersen contract, he gives him so much leverage um, because at the end of it, three years from now, Pedersen will be one year away from UFA. Uh, and at that point, he can just accept the qualifying offer, right? Um, that they'll be forced to tender uh, once once they get there. And then at that point, he's got all the leverage he wants um, to get all the money he wants. I mean, $7.35 million is is probably a bit under market value, but, you know, that's what Pedersen gains. Uh, it's that leverage down the road. Uh, and, you know, if you're Vancouver... It's like, well, this is, this is, I mean, like it's, it's nice as in terms of cap savings, well, in terms of building towards the future uh, and potentially, you know, building a cup contender with a core, because that's what all teams are trying to do. Uh, it feels like, yeah, it just feels like you're kicking your problems down the road and that's never a good solution. And, you know, if we look at the other contract with Quinn Hughes, um, this one, this one walks him up to what, until he's 27, uh, which point he'll be in our uh, UFA. And so, you know, they, with with all the pressure that Banning was under to, to sign these guys with the season coming up in like less than two weeks, uh, it seems that in like you know contract wise these aren't awful. They're definitely not overpayments, but you know it leaves them in a really bad spot contract wise uh, when it when it's over. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be too worried about the the Hughes one though. Uh, that term, I mean, like six years is long term, and I I don't think that's really a. Uh such a bad such a bad spot for Vancouver to be in but I honestly did think that number was a little high on Quinn Hughes and I think I'm just maybe a little bit less of a Quinn Hughes fan than uh than some others I know everyone was you know very impressed with with his almost Calder Trophy winning season but as soon as he didn't have Chris Tanev next to next to him anymore and instead the likes of you know Tyler Myers Travis Hamanick soon to be Tucker Pullman perhaps uh some defensive blemishes in his game really started to to get exposed and i know he's still by far the best defenseman on the canucks and they you know couldn't afford to even though he wasn't offer sheet eligible couldn't afford to start the season without him if they wanted to make the playoffs but i'm sure they would like to get that number a little bit lower but i know on the other hand the market value with the other defensemen signed this summer you know seth jones comes to mind uh that quinn hughes number maybe it is uh appropriate considering the the market yeah exactly he hasn't shown he hasn't shown signs of being outwardly bad yet uh and so i think you know under eight million dollars that's what basically is right 725 you can round it up to eight um that's yeah that's that seems about market value for what he brings you know if he does continue to develop down the road if they can find a suitable partner for him um that's not tucker pullman uh, he can continue to develop, work on his defensive game because already offensively he's quite the dynamo. He runs that power play very well, and so you know, um, eight million dollars, especially when the cap starts going up in like I don't know three, four years, I think it's going to be pretty reasonable. Um, but uh, yeah, it just it doesn't feel like the Canucks are winning with like like winning contract wise, winning in these negotiations, winning in terms of building a contending future. Um, you know, obviously they make their team better by having these guys here and not at awful contracts, but it's just like, you know, it really does feel like Jim Benning is constantly treading water, uh, occasionally kicking the odd odd thing down the road. You know, you look at the OEL and all those the, the big old Russell Erickson contracts. Uh and now this and especially the Patterson contract with that with that, you know, the leverage that he's given him in three years. Uh, this is, it really feels like an almost like he's teetering on the edge of being a lame duck GM. Uh, and you know, obviously this guy was supposed to be fired. Like should have been fired like three years ago. 
Um, but more than ever, I mean, this guy seems to have like no regard for like three to six years down the road because <laughs> I don't even think he thinks he'll be there. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure because uh, he's like, he's like, fuck it. I'm going all in this year. You know, this roster sucks. Going all in with Tucker Pullman. I'm obsessed with looking at the Canucks cat friendly page and looking at their defense. Quinn Hughes, 7.85 million. Oliver Ekman Larson, 7.26 million. Tyler Myers, 6 million. Travis Hamannick, 3 million. Tucker Pullman, 2.5. It's a work of art. So many fucking bad decisions. So many bad decisions. Um, yeah, it, it's funny that, like, you know, the conscious thought occurred to Jim Benning. Let me sign. Let me sign Tucker Pullman to four years, two and a half million dollars. Um, I want to see. <laughs> I just want to know what's going inside of that brain. Show me some of that genius, Jim, um, because I I struggle to comprehend. He's too galaxy brain for me. Um, I I really well, can't imagine blog. waking up and being like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't I can't imagine waking up and thinking this guy's worth two and a half million dollars for four years, uh, and, and building the defense as it is right now, or and really the roster as it is. Um, it's, uh, yeah. And then to have the owner still love you. It's, um, it's a piece of work down there in Vancouver, which is why we're going to be doing the guess who about them later. Spoiler alert. Who? Yep. Uh, for that though, let's talk about Robin Leonard, uh, because he went off, some might say yesterday on Twitter, uh, calling out the National Hockey League and some coaches and teams in specific. And I'm just going to read out what he said. Uh, I, you know, maybe I should have learned how to pronounce these before now. Anyway, is it common for workplaces to give out benzodiazepines to employees when they travel and Ambien? Should that not be done by doctors or psychiatrists? Asking for a friend, I emoji. This doesn't happen in Vegas, to be clear, but I know many other teams. I also been in on teams that do. Hashtag Philadelphia Flyers, dinosaur coach treating people, robots, not human. Fire these dinosaurs. Fire Vigneault. First story. I got proof. Try to shake your way out of this one. Next tweet in the thread. And they say Ambien is sleeping pill. It's funny that Rehab told me that's why I didn't have REM sleep. Eight years, no REM sleep. Great. But yeah, just sleeping pills. And then, not long after that at all, someone, I don't remember who it was, but I'm looking for it right now, broke about the Flyers. Uh, it was Drew Wheeler who said, Sources, the Flyers training staff gave Nolan Patrick non-prescribed Ambien and benzodiazepines to help his traumatic head injury while not disclosing the medication given to him at the time. And Nolan Patrick, of course, uh, has since been traded to Vegas and is now Robin Leonard's teammate. Right. So I think, albeit in a, in a pretty chaotic fashion for Robin Leonard to express himself, uh, he's really... Like, I think this all started when he was talking about the Jack Eichel situation, right? If I'm not mistaken. And how, you know, they're they're completely botching it there in terms of handling his injury situation uh, and letting him get the surgery he wants. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of shifted into he's really critiquing something that's, that seems to be a, a huge problem uh, in probably in, 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 the ho- in, ho- in the hockey world in general, but uh, clearly in the NHL in particular, which is, you know, the prescription of these these opioids, right? Uh, when you're talking about benzodiazepines, they're... Uh, they're very addictive, um, and I, I do believe they're they're quite uh, a significant contribution in terms of the the opioid crisis that's happening in North America right now. Uh, and then to hear that you know these these NHL teams seem like they're handing them out willy nilly uh, to to kind of treat these. First of all, that that doesn't sound like the right way to treat a concussion. I'll tell you that to start things off. Uh, if we're talking about Nolan Patrick, 
but also, you know, these, these, yeah, they're, they're so addictive and to, to, you know, hand them out almost recklessly. Uh, I think it's, you know, shout out to Robin Leonard for pointing it out like that, for really shining a light. It's very, uh, yeah, it is very chaotic, but you know, here we are, we're all talking about it. I mean, I see, you know, Rick Westhead's, you know, he's a, he's a hardcore, uh, investigative, investigative reporter for TSN. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, good for him for starting the conversation because it seems like really, there really is, I think in all the sports there, there's a big time, like drug problem, painkillers and all that. Um, but, uh, it, it really like putting, putting the nail to the head and really calling out specifics here, uh, with, you know, the benzodiazepines in particular, uh, it's, uh, yeah, good for Leonard because it, it's clearly a big time problem in the NHL right now. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder, like, must NHL culture be even more repressive than we thought for nobody else to have mentioned this before, uh, or at least not to have mentioned publicly? And if it had been, you know, a big sticking point privately, then it probably, you know, would have been somewhat rectified by now. But the fact that no other players wanted to, you know, stir the pot about this until just now is uh, concerning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're just we're talking about the same league where we have that entire Chicago Blackhawks associate Chicago Blackhawks investigation. Obviously, that's a a completely separate matter. But in terms of hockey culture, in terms of you know nobody really ever speaking up and sticking up for you know fucking you know and for for people who are being victims of crime out here, horrific crimes, uh, and you know put in extremely vulnerable and potentially life threatening situations. Uh, and nobody really lifting a finger, whether it's, you know, other players, you know, top brass, where really the, where the power and the authority lies. Um, I think I think we see we see over and over again that, you know, especially with the NHL in particular, because, you know, there's so much of a spotlight on it. Uh, we see over and over again that there really is a huge problem with reporting problems like these, uh, you know, where it's it's all it's awful. It seems like it's the, the most fucking toxic workplace um, because, yeah, I mean, you, you look at this, you have, you're talking about sexual assault allegations in Chicago. And then now we're talking about, um, you know, over prescription of opioids. That is some serious shit. Um, and, you know, you, you, you put that kind of scandal anywhere and it's, it's a big time thing. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, I think I think it absolutely shines. It, it points to there's a massive problem when it comes to reporting problematic behaviors and nobody really wanted to speak up. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, I am going to want to learn more about these uh, because I, as you might imagine, know very little about medicine and like what kind of effects these can have. But I imagine as Robin Leonard is implying, like it's being, uh, done through through like, like encouraged by the coach, like Alan Vigneault, for example, according to Robin Leonard, apparently was I imagine strongly advising, uh, or probably basically telling doctors to, uh, to give Nolan Patrick these you know dangerous doses of things, try to get him you know on the ice back as quickly as possible, and it does kind of relate to the Jack Eichel surgery because as I've been learning more and more about about his situation, Jack Eichel wants to get the surgery that is going to give him the best chance at being healthy once his playing career is over, whereas the Sabres have been vying for the one that would get him performing at the highest possible level as soon as possible. And we see it's not just a matter of we disagree on what's best for you and your long-term health. Is we have a conflict, we don't want the same thing. You want to be healthy 
for the rest of your life, we want you to be performing at a high level right now. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, this is part of a big disconnect we see is that it seems that, you know, the hockey league thing and, you know, the NHL and, you know, the coaches and then the top brand, the general managers and all that, they aren't too, they're not concerned with the players and really anybody as a sort of people. It's they're all just part of the machine that's trying to, you know, boost wins and boost, you know, fan attendance and, and the bottom line and all that. Uh, and yeah, you see when this, with this kind of reckless behavior, I mean, that's a, you know, if you're addicted to opioids, which you can do it. And apparently I've, I've read that, uh, especially with, with these benzodiazepines, which are particularly addictive, you can, they can get hooked within days. Uh, and then you become an addict. I mean, just like that. It's, it's, it's that serious of a problem, these opioids. Uh, and then to see, you know, to hear, we don't know exactly what, what Alain Vigneault did, but I, I presume that it's pretty heinous and that there was some sort of pressure, whether it was on Nolan Patrick or other players, uh, to take these opioids to try to get back on the aces as fast as possible, no matter what the consequences are for the player. Um, you know, it's, yeah, there's, there's no regard for, you know, other people or, or their actual health. Um, it's all just, you know, let's, let's get back on the ice. I mean, who gives a shit about the ice uh, when we're talking about matters of health like this? Uh, especially when, you know, Nolan Patrick literally has a concussion and uh, literally had a concussion. And this, this is yet another issue that, you know, hockey has a huge problem with. With the CTE thing, they haven't properly addressed that at all. And so it's all it's all part of the same kind of issue is that there's no regard for player safety. And then, you know, we just even earlier in the episode, you know, Jalen Smerrick, there's no there's no regard for the lives of these people, especially when, you, when you're talking about when they come from, you know, marginalized places like like Smerrick being an, being a black player. Um, so, you know, it's ah, hockey culture so fucking fucked uh, is uh, the general summary of what I just said. But uh, it seems that these these opioids are are chronically underreported here. Let's uh, hard pivot again. Um, why don't we? Have you watched any of All or Nothing? Have you been able to? No, not yet. I haven't found the time to. Have you? I've watched uh, the first three episodes out of five. Uh, okay. And one thing I do think... I, I think... They did maybe as well as they could have so far with the restrictions that the Maple Leafs presumably placed on them. But one thing I think they really did well was making Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe kind of like the stars of the show. Uh, and it really is more focused on, you know, those behind the scenes operation rather than like, here's Jason Spezza eating an egg. Uh, they do do, you know, small like features on the players but it's nothing that feels too out of place or like too much of a waste of time. But one of the main reactions I saw that I'm kind of feeling so far uh, was, yeah, you know, Sheldon Keefe, Kyle Dubas, they did both as the regular season was going on, identified problems with the team, identified, you know, habits, things they did. that was like, this could potentially become our downfall in the playoffs. We need to fix these small problems before they become big problems. And they brought it to the players' attention, and the players couldn't really implement them. And people were saying on Twitter and stuff, people were saying something like, uh, "All or nothing" is kind of cementing what I already thought, which is that this is on the players, and Keith and Dubis did everything they could. And I understand that on one hand, but on the other hand, they're thinking like, "Well, you know, if Keith, sure, you know, you identified the problems and you tried to get the players to fix it themselves, but like you failed." You should have come up with a different way. And Dubis, 
if you know maybe you should have you know assembled players that would have better playoff habits so i really do think it's interesting when people try to frame failures of a team on the players when it really does all come back to uh to the gm for me when you think about it that's that's a fair observation i think the situation he's put himself in um you know you can kind of blame the players uh but yeah i mean i guess team chemistry and attitude and all those things are things you ought to consider when you're you're building a roster although how much importance i don't know how much i put because i don't know i find it hard to blame dubis personally because i feel like he's built on paper an excellent excellent roster i get you know the game is played on the ice and all that. But, like, you know, just the sheer amount of skill and, and draft maneuvering and, and all that uh, that he's done to the point where, like, a lot of these moves, in theory, were, like, you know, or when they happen before we see the results, we're like, that's that's a great move. Like, damn, I, I wish, you know, our general manager had done that or something like that. Um, That keeps happening over and over. It seems like they made these shrewd moves. And, you know, there are some d- decisions that you disagree with, obviously. But I feel like Kyle Lewis is one of those general managers where you're like, if you're – if most similar to like if I was running a team, what would I do? Um, he seems to run parallel the course, and like I don't know, I find I find it hard to like find specific points, specific moves that you can point to to blame to, that this this whole roster construction thing. Because you know you talk about obviously the big like stupid Gaga move that they did this season was paying that first round pick for Nick Foligno, but I feel like that was trying to address the issue that was already there. Uh, you know this this attitude problem. I don't know. I haven't watched the series yet. You can com- correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like. You know, Kyle Dubas, like, he didn't know what the fuck to do anymore because he added all the skill. It wasn't gelling. They had whatever attitude problems that they had. And then he's like, fuck it, let me throw this at the wall um, because he didn't really have any other tool in his belt, any any other weapons in his arsenal other than, you know, grit forward who has a good attitude. And, you know, we know the league overvalues that kind of player. And that's why you throw a first-round pick at him. Um, but uh, I don't know. I find it hard to blame Dubas in this case because, you know, you look back at how you built this team and you're like, well, what would I do differently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying, and they don't really focus on Dubis's like reasoning for why he targeted Nick Felino, and they don't also really show him being like, "Oh, I was targeting this other player" or anything like that. What they do show, though, that's interesting, is uh, because apparently at some point Columbus said they had four different teams with a first round pick on the table for Nick Felino, and that's why the Maple Leafs did end up having to throw in like that fourth rounder to make it happen. And also another fourth rounder to San Jose for, uh, you know, the, the double salary retention. And one thing Kyle Dubas said right after making the deal, talking to his uh, assistant GMs or coworkers or other front office people, whatever, it was something like, yeah, I didn't want to be sitting there kicking myself, not getting the player over a fourth round pick. It's just a fourth round pick. And I was like, that kind of seems like a weird thing for Kyle Dubas to say. Like, I just throw it in because I didn't want to, you know, regret not having the player. And I understand how, like, in the thick of the moment at the trade deadline, they're thinking, like, oh, what if this is the, our, the missing piece for our Stanley Cup run? But in hindsight, when Nick Foligno made such a small impact, and I know that's partly because he was injured, uh, it really looks kind of stupid. Oh, 100%. But I think I think a hindsight is a lot of that. Um, well, if, you know, you put yourself in Dubas' shoes at the trade deadline, you know, your team's... Doing well, very well, you know, killing the North Division, killing these terrible teams in the North Division. Uh, but you're still looking at yourself and like, ah, it looks like there's some problems that we still need to address. Um, it's like in terms of leverage-wise and negotiation-wise, what can you, like, you have to solve the problem. Like, inaction is, Hall. you know, I, 
Yeah, you could get Tyler Hall, but I think at that point, you know, like what Dubas has done this whole time is accumulated talent and talent and talent. He's got talent in spades on that roster, uh, and it still seems that it hasn't worked out. And I think that get more given more the situation, talent. yeah, <laughs> it's tempting to say now with the hindsight. And I certainly agree. I agree. I mean, I that Nick Foligno move was pretty bonkers, even when it happened at the deadline. I'm like, well, what the fuck is Toronto doing? Uh, you could have just given up a second round pick and and a fourth. You're throwing a fourth. Why not? Um, for for Taylor Hall. Uh, but, uh, I see the rationale, you know, more than ever with, with Dubis. Uh, but it, I'm not, I'm not saying it wasn't a boneheaded move. It was, it was still pretty stupid. I was still, I would still say stick to your guns and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. pile on the talent, but you know, you, you can see where it comes from, right? Like he's frustrated with, it seems like he's built a great team on paper, but they're just not gelling. They're not taking it whatever seriously or enough or whatever it is. Uh, they're not addressing their problems. And so you try to try to. Go outside the box, maybe maybe inside the box if you're a hockey mind. But if you're Kyle Dubas, try outside the box and bring in Nick Foligno. Uh, before we get into guess who this week, uh, I would like to mention that this upcoming Saturday we have our fantasy draft. Uh, you and I are once again in a league together with some people we know and also some strangers. I would like to know, Tysay, if you have a strategy heading into the draft and what is it? All right. Uh, so yeah, my team this year. I am the defending champion, after all. Um, formerly known as Jack Johnson. Now it's we're congratulations, Cody Cece. Uh, big fan of the alliteration here. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm drafting twelfth. Uh, and my strategy, not to spoil too many things, but it's to to draft the best team, like I did last year. Do you have any insight for us? Uh, I think that's a pretty bad strategy because when if your team is the best at the draft then everyone's going to be teaming up against you naturally and your team will get worse. Obviously, that's how it works. Uh, whereas I, naturally. drafting eighth, uh, my team last year was called Cole Caulfield Stuffed Animals, but I've decided, similarly to you, keep things fresh this year. I've decided to name my team Lukewarm on Libor Hayek. Uh, you might recognize Lukewarm as a reference to Lukewarm on Beckwarm, but I decided to include uh, Libor Hayek in my team name for no particular reason. I am picking eighth. Uh, my strategy is to draft Connor McDavid with the eighth overall pick. And then I'm going to do exactly what I did in my mock draft on Yahoo a couple days ago, even though our, our league is not on Yahoo, which is to accidentally end up with five goalies. Beautiful. Uh, speaking of fresh team names, I just want to shout out someone that we don't know, but is, who has been in our league for for the second year running. Um, last year, his team was Colorado Avalanche. I just want to tip my cap to him for changing his name this year to Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so, you know, he's, he's keeping it fresh. He's keeping it on the bandwagon. And I, I respect it. I respect it. This guy has no team allegiance whatsoever. And it seems like he's picking it pretty randomly. And uh, I got to say, I don't think it'll work out for him because I think I'll kick his ass. But uh, pretty good naming scheme. I got to respect it. All right. Let us play Guess Who this week. Um, the record right now, let me pull it up. I don't think it's looking very good for me, though. I do have to say. Uh, if I have any hope, I think I've got to win this one. I have four wins. Ty has seven wins. And we have five Beautiful. ties dating back all the way to May 31st, 2020. We've done Montreal, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, Dallas, Florida, Edmonton, New Jersey, Calgary, Carolina, the Rangers, Ottawa, Toronto, Vegas, Columbus, Arizona. And now this week to celebrate the new contracts for Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson, we will be guessing 
as alluded to prior to this moment, the Vancouver Canucks. The 25 players up for grabs are Thatcher Demko, Yaroslav Halak, Michael DiPietro, Quinn Hughes, Oliver ekman Larson, Tyler Myers, Travis Hamannick, Tucker Pullman, Olya Levy, Jack Rathbone, Brad Hunt, Luke Shen, Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, JT Miller, Connor Garland, Niels Hooglander, Jason Dickinson, Tanner Pearson, Vasily Podkolzin, Brandon Sutter. Here's where the here's where you know there's a steep drop off in forward quality is at Brandon Sutter, followed by Matthew Highmore, Tyler Mott, and I was really I couldn't pick between several options, including. Nick Batan and Justin Dowling for this last one, but I ended up going with Philip DiGiuseppe. A choice you definitely will not regret. Um, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Okay. All right. Let's do it. I got my guy now. Um, oh, I've not even pulled so, up random.org yet. Give me a moment. All right. Who is, who is, uh, who is home ice advantage today? Uh, I believe it is me again since you kicked my buttocks in our last match. All right. So what does that mean again? Does that mean you guess first that, or you get to choose? Oh, that means that that means you guess first because, you know, I okay. guess at the bottom of the inning. All right. Yes, okay. I got my player. Do you have yours? Yep. All right. I am muting right. incoming audio in three, two, one. I have Michael DiPietro. And I'm back. Okay. All right. I'm muting in three. Two, one. My player is Vasily Podkolzin. Okay, I am now returning. Okay. All right. All Go right. ahead. Let us do this. Okay, so pretty pretty bare bones spreadsheet, I must say today. Um, hmm, what shall we go? Okay, let us do. Uh, let's do birthday. Let's do birthday. That's pretty good. Let me let me sort these days by. Uh, these dudes, when they were born, we have 25 players, so let us split it right here. Okay. Was your player drafted? Uh, no, not drafted. Born in uh, May of 1995 or earlier? No, my player was not born in May of 1995 or earlier. Okay. All right. It's pretty All young. Right. Is, your player, is your player a forward? My player is not a forward. Let's go. Big win. Big dub. We're on a roll. You went for it all. You went for it all. Okay. All right. Next up. We have... All right. We got a good blend here. Um, Maybe I'll split it by nationality. Seems I have like a lot of Americans on this team. All right. So, uh, is your player... Finnish or American? No, my player is not Finnish or American. Okay, interesting. Interesting. So we have we have a Canadian, a Russian, or a Swede. Is your player's number thirty-five or lower? Okay, let me look. This is according to Cap Friendly. Yes. Okay, thirty-five or lower. My player's number is not 35 or lower. All right, which means it is 36 or higher. Okay. Uh, we'll stick with nationality again. Uh, is your player Canadian? No, my player is not Canadian. All right, we're down to three. We got Paul Cozen. 
Pedersen and Hoglander. Let's go. All right. Is your player Canadian? My player is Canadian. All right. So I as well am down to three. We have Tyler Myers, Mikey DiPietro, and Brad Hunt. Okay. Solid trio. All right. We got Polkos and Pedersen Hoglander. We got two Swedes and a Russian. So uh, I'm going to take the only second round pick here. They're all Vancouverites in terms of draft team. Let me take Niels Hoglander. My player is not Niels Hoglander. That is unfortunate. Okay, all right. proceed. Is your player Brad Hunt? My player is not Brad Hunt. Wow, shocking. I got it wrong. Who could have yeah. seen this coming? <laughs> Nobody. No, you're right out of left field. This has never happened before. All right. Um, <laughs> we have Paul Kozin or Pedersen. One sure seems more notable than the other, considering we talked about one for like 10 minutes today on the podcast. Is your player Vasily Podkolzin? Yes, my player is Vasily Podkolzin. All right. Very nice. All right. I didn't think it like your player. That would be Elias. Is your player Tyler Myers? My player is not Tyler Myers. It is Mikey DiPietro. I roll oh, a goalie wonderful. this round. This makes me so <laughs> happy. Wow. <laughs> Feels bad. <laughs> All right, well, in a shocking turn of events, Alex has lost the first round. Uh, I see we've reached the nihilism portion of uh, Guess Who Guess Who Hockey. Um, Fair enough, uh, fair enough. I guess that's what Oh, I wonder what will happen in round two. Maybe it'll be a surprise. Maybe this time will be different. Let's see. Who knows? <laughs> Ooh, I got my player. Maybe Chase won't guess it this time. All right. Okay. So do you want to yeah. do you want to mute first? Yeah. Why not? What's this difference anyway? <laughs> I'll mute myself. Three. Switch it two, up. One. My player is Brad Hunt. And I'm back. All right. I'm muting in three, two, one. My player is Luke Shen. All right, I'm back. Okay. Very nice. I believe it's very nice. It's your turn to begin. Please. It is my us. turn to begin. Let's go with wait, let me just count something real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Okay. Was your player drafted by a Canadian team? All right, let me let me check this out. Um, my player was not drafted by a Canadian team. All right, so goodbye to all you Vancouver draft picks. You won Winnipeg draft pick, Mr. Pullman, and you won Montreal draft pick, Mr. Halak, and you won Toronto draft pick, Mr. Shen. Okay. All right. 
was your is let's see which one should i i'll go last name we haven't had any meme questions they usually result in a victory so is your player's last name uh hughes or earlier in the alphabet my player's last name is not hughes or earlier in the alphabet okay so it's hunt or later good to know is, right, proceed. is your player's first name M or earlier in the alphabet? My player's first name is M or earlier in the alphabet. Yay. Amazing. Oh, I can't wait for the fact that maybe I'll win this one. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, What's your player? drafted by a Canadian team. I'm gonna steal your question on that one. Uh one moment. Uh yes, a player was drafted by a Canadian team. Okay. Alright. Alright. Cool. Go ahead. Alright. Was your player drafted in the first round? My player was not drafted in the first round. Ah, interesting. Okay, I have four defensemen. I have four bad defensemen on this. I, I have four of the bad defensemen. This is beautiful. This is the greatest four of thing. the and bad Elias defensemen. Pedersen. Yeah, four. <laughs> and Elias Pedersen. This is... And Vasily Podkolson. Wasn't he the last answer? Oh, or... Yeah, it was. Oh, my God. What is this? What is this? This is ridiculous. Um. All right. Oh, man. I don't know if I've, I've, I've seen a more remarkable bunch of players. Ah. <sighs> Okie dokie. Um, so, uh, how do I even divide these people? All right. Uh, was your player born in the United States or Russia? Give me one moment. Uh, no. My player was not okay. born in the United States or Russia. Okay, I have a pretty good like. I'm pretty confident in my guess next round. I'm just gonna. Let oh you know. great, amazing! I'm just gonna. I, I'm. Know. I'm so. I've never been more I'm sure of anything that you know, you know exactly who my player is. <laughs> no, no. I'm like, oh, I honestly better guess it this round, or else I'm. I'm about to leave. Uh, okay, my three players. We got Connor Garland, Brad Hunt, and Matthew Highmore. Uh, all of these names blend together uh, into <laughs> one concoction of two-thirds incorrect. Uh, so I'll just go with the one that's listed at the top. Is your player Connor Garland? My player obviously is not Connor Garland. Wow. Most I'm <laughs> so surprised. Wow. I, I don't know how you do it. Honestly, it's almost impressive how, how often you hit the two out of three. <laughs> I should. Oh, I just realized something. What the heck? All my all my three players are fifth overall picks. How fun is that? Luke Shen, Ali Olavi, and Elias Pedersen. What a what a what a fun bunch! All right, the name that stands out to me. Maybe you were mind gaming me, but the way you had to check whether it was you know an American or a Russian person. I certainly wouldn't check for either of Wolavi or, or Patterson. And Luke Shen happens to be the least remarkable of them anyways. Is your player Luke Shen? 
you know, I actually was oh. trying to mind game you uh, <laughs> because I thought she would know that I knew Lucien was Canadian, but I realize now that that applies to many players. Uh, so yep. it backfired tremendously. My player is indeed Lucien. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh my goodness. Are we surprised at all that your plan backfired and resulted in a loss? Oh, no. No, of course no, of not. of course not. <laughs> of course not. Even uh-huh. the mind gaming results in a no. Wow. So did you? You didn't uh, you know, even I check. Th- you didn't even really check. So, wow. This is, somehow this is, this is. I think this must be my worst slump in Jesu <laughs> history. I, I don't think. I don't think we've played a uh, third game in like a month and a half now. Um, no, that's not because. Well, I mean, we've only had two, two games in the past month and a half. Uh, so the yeah. stat is accurate. <laughs> and you have you have straight up won three games in a row now. Let me just check. I'm pretty sure that's the longest yeah, longest winning streak. You have the record now. Oh, Congratulations. Thank uh, you. I've never I've I never heard someone if, so sick of guess who in my life. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if maybe next time things will be different for me. Uh one can always dream. You I now have twice as many wins as I do. <laughs> uh eight. <laughs> Four and five is your record. Eight wins, four losses, and five ties. Uh, yeah. I w- tune in uh, in three weeks to see if <laughs> if uh, Ty Sable will win in two rounds or three rounds. That's the big question everyone wants to know. I know what you're doing. I know you're you're setting me up to to to, to whiff. You're trying oh, to, you're no, trying to no, get no. me to rest on my laurels. My my Man, four you know win gap laurels. He's trying to you know what they comeback. say. He's gonna be- you know what they say. The best predictor of future events is past events, or future behavior is of past course. behavior. And the fact that you've of won course. so often, I've lost so often, which I'm just saying, what's probably gonna happen? <laughs> you're probably you're gonna okay. He's gonna try for the for the greatest twelve week comeback anyone's ever seen. That's what I. That's what I. Yeah. Predict. You know, maybe gonna, I maybe I just <laughs> slowest comeback ever. Maybe I need to start being more bold because I'm so bad at guessing. Maybe I need to take more risks and get down to smaller numbers before you so I have more time to to guess wrong and still not Honestly, lose. Honestly, that's not the worst strategy in the world considering yeah. just how, how bad you are at guessing. It's... Oh, wait, so was your player <laughs> was your player Hunter Highmore? Which one was it? Guess, guess, guess again. Please indulge was it, me. Was it Matthew Highmore? Matthew Ivor was Brad Hunt. <laughs> oh, great. Excellent. Oh, man. Someone's on fire. <laughs> oh. Wow. As I said, it's impressive. Maybe, it's impressive how you managed maybe, to... Like, the, the odds that, that my player would be the last one that you would guess is just as likely as me guessing your player first try. I just want to point that out. That is It's one out of true. nine either way. <laughs> so well, one out of nine you mean one out of three yeah wait no wait yes it's one out of three right math where did one out of nine come from well the the fact that you guessed the player last two times in a row oh in both rounds yes three. that is one out of yeah, nine exactly yeah uh-huh well that's congratulations math. to math, me then yeah. 
uh, for defying the odds and the standards of my craft to become even worse at Guess Who than I already was. Uh, you know, maybe I should maybe I should start just guessing the opposite of what I think I should guess, and that would start working for me. Maybe. I wish you the best of luck in the upcoming three-week interval. Training Question number yourself. one, is your player a goalie? <laughs> you know, that I mean, if you started with one, that today, yeah, I mean, I I mean if you started with that today, you would have... <laughs> might have been the biggest... Would have, would have been the biggest route we would have seen ever in this game. We had just kicked it off. No, you would have found a Maybe. way to beat me still. I would have started with Halak probably and probably saved Di Pietro for last. And in that amount of time, I feel like you would have been able to whittle it down to uh, Pod Colson. Yeah, I would have been able to. Uh, who was it? Was it what is, was it Slater Cuckoo? No, it wasn't. Slater was Cuckoo? Sean, Sean Corrali. Sean oh, Corrali, yeah. The, the reverse Sean Corrali. Uh-huh. Honestly, yeah, but Colson seems like nah. I wouldn't have guessed. I probably would have guessed. Let's see. If I had to guess three dudes off the top of my head right now, it would be Niels Hoglander, J.T. Miller, and Tyler Mott. Just want to put that wow, out there. No defenseman. No defenseman. All forwards. If I had to guess three off the Grand top head. of my head, yeah, you know what? I guess you're right. All those defensemen are too notable, either for being yeah bad or Quinn Hughes. Exactly. <laughs> All of them, either bad or Quinn Hughes. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't it doesn't leave much uh, room for error there. It's, it's pretty good. So, all right, well, yeah, here we are. It all, it all, it all boils <sighs> down to just sign how off bad today. That is. I'm too, <laughs> too defeated. defeated. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I'll take my victory lap at the same time. So, uh, yeah. Thank you very much for tuning into uh, yet another. Uh, episode of me winning a guess who and a fusion and hockey podcast you can follow us on twitter uh our handles should be in the description below um or find us on instagram at fusion and hockey podcast like comment subscribe to us on apple podcasts spotify wherever you get your podcasts and uh yeah we'll see you next week the season's almost here